Into Your Hand, A Look Back, Episode 3. Hello, welcome back to Lessons from the Book of Isaiah, a Sabbath School lesson on the Book of Isaiah from 1928. Again, I'd like to give you a little background. Uh, the Sabbath School lessons are all available on the internet, and I have downloaded the Isaiah Sabbath School lessons from 1928, the third quarter, 1928 the fourth quarter, and 1929 the first quarter. All of these covered the Book of Isaiah. And the previous two episodes of this series, we discussed uh, lesson two and three of the third quarter of 1928. The reason for that is that uh, lesson uh, two and three follow closer along with the Sabbath School lesson from uh, the first quarter of 2021. Now I'm going to be looking at lesson one from 1928. This was from the July 7th, 1928, and this deals with Isaiah 6. Uh, the title of this lesson is The Times of Isaiah, Spiritual Conditions, and the Call of Isaiah. Please open uh, to Isaiah 6 uh, in your Bibles. Uh, the lesson helps as to read Prophets and Kings, pages 303 to 310. That chapter is on the call of Isaiah. The memory verse for this lesson was, uh, is and was Isaiah 6, 8. So let's read that. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here I am, send me. I'm sure uh, in this lesson we will go back to that verse shortly. Each of these lessons consists of 16 questions. Uh, this has an introduction, and I will read that now. Isaiah has been called the greatest of the Old Testament prophets the king of all prophets. His name signifies Jehovah is salvation. Nothing is known of his father beyond the mere fact of his name, Amos. Isaiah lived in Jerusalem, and it is concluded that he sprang from a family of some rank, as he seems to have had easy access to the king. This is in Isaiah 7. And was on terms of intimacy with the priest, Isaiah 8, 2. He had two sons, uh, which is spoken of in Isaiah 7.3 and Isaiah 8.3. Various authorities state that Isaiah began to prophesy during the years 759 to 740 B.C. As his active labors continued more than 60 years, he must have died sometime before 680 B.C. during the reign of Manasseh. See Prophets and Kings, page 310 and 382. Tradition records that he was sawn asunder 
to which there may be a reference in Hebrews 11:36 to 38. The first question of our lesson says, during the reign of what four kings did Isaiah prophesy? With whom did the visions especially deal? And that is uh, told to us in Isaiah 1.1. Uh, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. This answers our questions. The note, the chronology of the time of Isaiah is indicated by the reign of these kings. Uzziah, also called Azariah in 2 Kings 14.21, who reigned 52 years, 2 Chronicles 26.3, died about the year 740 BC. His son Jotham was associated with him on the throne after Uzziah was stricken with leprosy, 2 Chronicles 26.21, and reigned 16 years. Jotham was followed by Ahaz, who is also said to have reigned 16 years, 2 Chronicles 28. Verse 1. He again was followed by Hezekiah, who reigned 29 years, 2 Chronicles 29, verse 1. Manasseh, who followed Hezekiah, began to reign early in the 7th century, about 699 BC, and reigned 55 years, 2 Chronicles 33, verse 1. So this tells us the time frame Isaiah was prophesying. And uh, this lesson, you know, deals chiefly with, initially, it deals with the times of and spiritual condition of uh, Israel. So we haven't really gotten to uh, Isaiah 6 yet, but we will shortly. Uh, question number two in the lesson, what is said of Uzziah relation to God in the beginning of his reign? How long was he prospered? Second Chronicles 26. Well, let's go to Second Chronicles 26, uh, verse 3 to 5, and verse 15. So Second Chronicles 26, 3 to 5. Sixteen years old was Uzziah when he began to reign, and he reigned fifty and two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Jeholiah. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had, did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. He only prospered as he sought the Lord. Very interesting, uh, very good point. And we will prosper when we seek the Lord. Verse 15, it says also to read, and he made an in Jerusalem engines, invented by cunning men to be on the towers and above the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal. And his name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. God really blessed him, this king, uh, at the early part. And, and this is where J Isaiah was prophesying and began his ministries, was during this time. The note states, the long reign of Uzziah in the land of Judah and Benjamin was characterized by a prosperity greater than that of any other ruler since the death of Solomon, nearly two, cent two centuries before. For many years the king ruled with discretion. Under the blessing of heaven, his armies regained some of the territory that had been lost in former years. Cities were rebuilt and fortified, and the positions of the nations among the surrounding people was greatly strengthened. This outward prosperity, however, was not accompanied by a corresponding revival of a spiritual power. The temple services 
were continued as in former years, and multitudes assembled to worship the living God. But pride and formality gradually took the place of humility and sincerity. Prophets and Kings, page 303 and 304. Let's move on to question number three. What caused Uzziah's downfall? Relate the story of his transgression and the result. Verses 16 to 21. I believe this is talking about 2 Chronicles. So let me go back to 2 Chronicles uh, 26. And verses 16 to 21. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And as his Azariah the priest went in after him and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men and they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him it appertaineth not unto thee Uzziah to burn incense unto the Lord but to the priest the sons of Aaron that are consecrated to burn incense go out of the sanctuary for thou hast trespassed neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God then Uzziah was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priest, the leprosy even arose up in his forehead before the priest in the, in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they thrust him out from the, thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. And Uzziah the king was a leper until the day of his death, and dwelt in a several house, being a leper. For he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Note it says uh, that his heart was lifted up. Uh, we need to not have our hearts lifted up. Uh, we need to maintain uh, a humility and a meekness uh, before the Lord. Uh, it says to compare Ezekiel 28, uh, verse 17. And I will see what that says. Ezekiel 28. I don't know. Ezekiel 28, verse 17. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Yes, I think this is talking about Satan, but definitely that's exactly what also happened to uh, Uzziah for wanting to do what was wrong in the sight of the Lord. Question number four, we continue. And this is, again, we're still talking about the time, uh, about the time that, you know, G that uh, Isaiah was called. Uh, question number four, what is said of the son of Uzziah what did he fail to remove? What did the people continue to do? And this is found in 2 Kings. It tells us to read 2 Kings 15, uh, verse 32 to 35. In the second year of Pekah, the son of Ramelia, king of Israel, began Jotham, the son of Uriah, king of Judah, to reign. Five and twenty years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned sixteen years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jerusha, the daughter of Zedok. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. He did according to all that his father Uzziah had done. 
Halbeit, the high places were not removed, and the people sacrificed and burnt incense still in the high places. He built the gate, higher gate of the house of the Lord. Okay, so it's saying here that his son, uh, Uzziah's son, who was uh, Jotham, continued to do the will of God, but not completely. It did not remove the sacrifices and burnt incense in the high places. Let's read the note here. It says, The judgment that befell Uzziah seemed to have a restraining influence on his son. Jotham bore heavy responsibilities during the latter years of his father's reign and succeeded to the throne after Uzziah's death. The high places here mentioned in which the people continued to worship were altars for idolatrous worship. And we know that to be true. So we don't need to go to 2 Kings 17 or to 32 and 33. In trying to serve Jehovah and other gods at the same time, the Israelites were not unlike many professed Christians today. But God calls this doing corruptly. And we can read that in 2 Chronicles 27. Let's look at that. 2 Chronicles 27, verse 2. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Uzziah did, how that he entered not into the temple of the Lord, and the people did not did yet corruptly. Uh, yes, and the people did yet corruptly. So the people were still corrupt, uh, trying to follow uh the Jehovah and uh, had their sacrifices to uh, idolaters, uh, idolatry at the same time in the high places. Okay, uh, one more question here before we get to Isaiah 6. It says, when God called to repentance and weeping, how did the people respond? And this is in Isaiah 22, verse 12 to 14. And in that day, did the Lord God of hosts call to weeping and to mourning and to baldness and to girding with sackcloth? And behold, all behold joy and gladness, slaying oxen and killing sheep, eating flesh and drinking wine. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we shall die. And it was revealed in mine eyes by the Lord of hosts, surely this iniquity shall not be purged from you till ye die, saith the Lord God of hosts. They, they were... The call that the Lord had for repentance and weeping, the people just really ignored and just blatantly uh, followed their own lust and sins. Question number six in our lesson, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, what vision came to Isaiah? Where was the Lord? And this is where we're going to begin going through chapter six, I believe. So chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Uh, so he's looking at the throne of God here, and he's looking into the temple, and it's during the year Uzziah died. Question number 7. What description is given of the seraphim? Where did they stand? Verse 2. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. So what description is given of the seraphim? They have six wings, two are covering uh, different parts of them, and uh, two are flying, and they are above the throne of God. The seraphim are an exalted order of angels that stand above or around the throne. The cherubim are another order mentioned in Ezekiel chapter 1 and 10. 
Suddenly the gate and the inner veil of the temple seemed to be lifted or withdrawn, and he, Isaiah, was permitted to gaze within upon the Holy of Holies, where even the prophet's feet might not enter. There arose up before him a vision of Jehovah sitting upon a throne high and lifted up while the train of his glory filled the temple on each side of the throne hovered the seraphim their faces veiled in adoration as they ministered before the ma their maker and united in the solemn invocation holy 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 is the lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory until post and pillar and cedar gate seemed shaken with the sound and the house was filled with their tribute of praise prophets and kings page 307 uh, verse 3 uh, isaiah 6 3 what was their constant refrain and one cried unto another and said holy 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 is the lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory this is compared let's compare this to the another famous holy 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 verse which is revelation verse 4 uh, sorry, chapter 4, verse 8. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about them, him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. God is holy. Let's continue to praise him every day for his holiness and his correctness, his righteousness. Always praise the Lord. Ch question number nine. How did the tribute of praise affect the very building? With what was the house filled? Isaiah 6, 4. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Compare with the experience of the day of Pentecost, which is very similar. Look at Acts 2, 1 to 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It would have been a mighty sight to see both Isaiah's vision and the tongues of fire from the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. How did the tribute of praise affect the very building? It shook. The post of the door moved by the power of his voice. Uh, question number 10, how did this view of God's holiness and glory affect the prophet, which we see in Isaiah 6, 5? And then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He is undone. He is weak. He is uh, amazed at seeing the King of kings, the Lord of hosts, to be a sinner. He felt his own sinfulness, actually. You can see how he felt sinful his unclean lips and unclean people that he dwelt with he had a sense of his own sinfulness question number 11 when the prophet realized and cried out that he was undone how was help provided uh, verse 6 then flew one of the seraphims unto me having a live coal within his hand which he had taken from the tongs from off the altar so he's given this coal live hot coal from the the altar and verse 7 says that it touches his mouth and lo this hath touched thy lips and thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged we can see then that when he's feeling unclean and he's feeling undone 
that it is dealing with sin. And in verse 7, we can see that the live coal is given him peace and his iniquity, iniquity is taken away. Uh, if we saw the Lord in its full glory, we would probably also feel very sinful. We have a note on this question. It says, what was the significance of having a live coal touch the lips? James 3, 2. Okay, let's go there. Let's find out what that says. James 3, verse 2. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. This is the very powerful nature of our lips and the words that we speak and the word of God. If we do not offend the Lord in his word and that our words are not offensive to the Lord, we are great situation spiritually. Our words are very powerful. We need to be careful what we say. Uh, continuing on with the note, it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaketh, Matthew 12, 34. It might be well to ask the Lord each day, Lord, consecrate these my lips this day to thee. Awesome. Let's pray that when we finish this study and a few more questions, uh, that is what we need to be praying today. Uh, question number 13. We have uh, three or four more questions here. To what call was Isaiah now ready to respond? So he's been touched with the coal off the altar. His iniquity has been taken away. His heart, in a way, has been changed. His words are now pure. And in verse 8, we now have, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here I am, send me. Uh, he is now ready to answer that call. Uh, we need to have the, the, the coal touch our mouth and our lips. Uh, and we need to answer that call uh, to, here I am, send me. Question 14. To whom was Isaiah sent? Would the people understand his message? Why not? Let's look at verse 9 and 10 of chapter 6. And he said, Go and tell his, this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and convert and be healed. He is supposed to go to these people, the, the people of Israel, and they are not going to respond. Uh, and I, there, he, is, um, he is called to go, but he is warned they are not ready to accept him. Ultimately, Jerusalem will be destroyed. We have a note here. It is not God that binds the eyes of men or hardness, hardens their hearts. He sends them light to correct their errors and to lead them in safe paths. It is by the rejection of this light that the eyes are blinded and the heart hardened. Desire of Ages, page 322. Question 15. As the prophet asked, how long? What answer is given? Verse 11 and 12. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant and the houses without man and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord have removed men far away and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. Isaiah is saying that you're going to go forth. You are going to, the people are not going to answer you. 
and they're not going to answer you until Jerusalem is destroyed and the land is destroyed and desolate. You know, we know that not until Ezra and Nehemiah do things improve. The note provided here says the evils that had been multiplying for many generations could not be removed in this day. Throughout his lifetime, he must be a patient, courageous teacher, a prophet of, the, of hope as well as of doom. The divine purpose finally accomplished the full fruitage of his efforts and the labor of all God's faithful messengers would appear. A remnant should be saved. Prophets and Kings 309. Very good uh, point here. The remnant would be saved and would come back after the 70 years of captivity in Babylon. 16. What hope is given the prophet in verse 13? Chapter 6, verse 13. But yet in it shall be a tenth and it shall return and shall be eaten as a teal tree and as an oak whose substance is in them when they cast their leaves so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof the promised land was not to remain wholly forsaken forever this assurance in verse 13 of the final fulfillment of god's purpose brought courage to the heart of isaiah the last of the ten tribes were taken captive in 721 BC. Not many years after this vision, Jerusalem was taken more than a hundred years later. We have hope, just like Isaiah was given hope, that God's purposes would be fulfilled. God's purposes will be fulfilled in our lives today. Let's keep the faith. Let's stay strong. Put our trust and our hope in the Lord. And uh, let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this lesson. Uh, thank you for providing us with love and strength and direction. Lord, consecrate these, my lips, our lips this day to thee, that our hearts will be clean as our words are clean. May our eyes look at purity and may our hearts be pure for you. And host the Holy Spirit. Cleanse us, make us white as snow. In Jesus' name, amen.